Good morning, Faith Community Church. Today we are in Acts chapter 19. I'm here with Pastor Caleb. Um, and Caleb, i got a couple questions for you. Uh, first question is, in Acts chapter 19, Paul is in Ephesus. What was wrong with the Ephesians' faith here? So it, it's interesting. He comes into Ephesus and it says he finds disciples, but he realizes right away they don't know the gospel. And he discovers they are just their faith is just based on John's preaching, John the Baptist. And all that John the Baptist shared about was you need to repent and get ready for the Messiah. Hmm. But they didn't know the Messiah had come. It right. says this in Acts 19.4, Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. And then he says, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. So we see now they get saved. Now they have genuine right. faith because we can see the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is that seal of salvation. And they understand now that the Messiah has come. Right. Right. So speaking of, of tongues here, um, we see new believers, uh, once again, evidencing the Holy Spirit by speaking in tongues. Um, two weeks ago, we addressed when Peter shared with Cornelius, the people spoke in tongues to show that the gospel was for the Gentiles also. Why does it happen here? Yeah, it's, it's interesting because these are Gentiles as well, right? right? Why do they need to also speak in tongues? Why does this group right here need to, to speak in tongues? We already know the gospel's for the Jews. We already know it's for the Gentiles. Those are the only two groups. Right. Well, that's true, but Ephesus is in Asia. Hmm. So now the gospel is going to a new region. And, and so it. a lot of Bible commentators say that, that Luke lets us know this to show the gospel's expanding, and it's right. expanding to, to a new region. And so this is to verify the gospel's going forward. It's going into Asia now. Right. So how did Paul speak in the synagogue at Ephesus? Yeah, so we see repeatedly throughout the book of Acts, Paul's MO. He goes in, where does he always go first? He goes to the synagogue. And it says that he goes in the synagogue and he's preaching Boldly, yep. he, he, he doesn't worry about what people think of him. He doesn't worry that they're going to mock him for some of the things he's saying. He preaches boldly, and then he persuades them, and he reasons with them. And it's so important to understand that we have a reasonable faith. Yeah. It's not a blind leap in the dark. Some people, when they think about faith, they think it's this blind leap. No, it's, it's a decision that's based on evidence. Mm -hmm. And he's sharing that evidence with them. He's pointing out to them, hey, here's the, the reasons that you should believe. So he's persuading them. He's convincing them. He's using logic. He's filled with the Spirit. He's bold. This is how we share the gospel. Right. And he has a lot of experience with this, having already been to Athens, yeah. right, with all the intellectuals, having yep. had to had to reason and, and uh, debate with them as well. So why did, um, why did Paul leave the synagogue when he faced opposition? Yeah, it's weird because he's preaching boldly, and then the people oppose him, and he leaves. Right. That, that doesn't seem like in keeping with his character, like, like bring it. That's sort of Paul's character. So why does, yeah, yeah, yeah. Why does he leave? Well, we, this is also part of his MO. He goes in, and when the Jews reject the gospel, he stops preaching in the synagogue. He says, okay, you don't want to receive this. I'm going to leave your synagogue, and I'm going to go preach to the Gentiles. So that's what we right. see him do. He leaves the synagogue, and he goes, and he preaches to the Gentiles. Now, what I want you to understand about this is he's not giving up on the Jews. 
what Paul explains to us in Romans is that God's going to save the Jews through jealousy. Mm-hmm. So as he goes to the Gentiles now, and they're getting saved, and they're getting the Holy Spirit, and the Jews are watching, and it's undeniable, some of them will actually get saved through his preaching to the Gentiles. So he's not right. giving up on them and leaving the synagogue. He actually understands this is this is God's way of ultimately saving the Jews. Right. So... Um, Moving on a little bit here and a little bit on on this topic as well, um, how often did Paul reason in the school of Tyrannus? Yeah, so it says he goes, he leaves the synagogue, he goes to the school of Tyrannus, which is this this place for intellectuals to gather in Ephesus, and it says he's there daily, daily, and and it's he's he's preaching so effectively, he's reasoning so often that the testimony here is that. All who dwelt in Asia heard the gospel. And the reason Luke tells us this is he wants us to understand the great commission that Jesus gave is being fulfilled. It's spreading. The gospel is spreading to all peoples. And so he uses this phrase, all who dwelt in Asia heard the gospel. So we can understand Paul is obeying the great commission. He's fulfilling this command. It's for us today as well. That as we are going, we should be daily proclaiming the gospel with our lives, with our words, with the people that we come across, whether they're strangers or friends, proclaim the gospel. This is how the kingdom is growing. Right. So Paul, Paul's kind of like mostly in Acts. He's kind of the, besides God being the purpose of all this, he's kind of the main character God uses. Yeah. Why do you think God uses Paul for all these unusual works and miracles? Yeah, it's, you know, when you read through Luke and then Acts, you get to Paul, and there's miracles that happen with Paul that weren't really happening with anybody else. We see here, like, handkerchiefs that Paul touched, people get healed. His shadow goes across somebody. Right, and that's like, that's like Jesus' scale of, like, people right. touching his cloak, right? So these, these set Paul apart. This isn't like other believers, other believers' experience of miracles and things. This is something separate. It shows that Paul is, in fact, an apostle, and it verifies his message. It shows this message is from God. It's specifically demonstrating that Paul has the authority to proclaim the gospel that he is proclaiming. So as the people hear from him, they'll know, okay, he actually has the authority to say this because we can see the Holy Spirit working radically through him. So we know he is from God by the signs that he is doing. Okay. So speaking of signs and and miracles, we have Jewish exorcists uh, in this chapter. They're they're not able to cast out uh, demons here. And so Paul comes in, right? What happens here? Why were they not able to cast out yeah, these demons? Yeah, so it's interesting because we have Paul and he's doing these amazing miracles. And then these these Jewish exorcists are like, wow, we want some too. We right. want to do that. That looks awesome. Let's let's join. What? How is he doing that? And they watch him, they observe him, they see the things he does, and then they try to copy it. And it doesn't work out so well for them. The demon turns on them, tears their clothes off, and sends them off beaten and bloody. Right? right? What they're they're not able to do the miracle because the name that they're proclaiming, they don't actually believe in it. They don't believe in the name. That that's the first problem they have. The second problem they have, they're not apostles. Right. They don't have the kind of authority that Paul has. And, and so Luke is specifically showing us that Paul is set apart by God for a unique task and is demonstrated by his power to command demons. And these demons are powerful. 
because they can turn against these these Jewish exorcists right. and destroy them. Yeah, it's scary. So you also have um, you also have here in this chapter some magic practitioners. And yeah. So they end up burning some of their books. Why are they burning their books? Yeah. You know what Luke points out? He points out how valuable these books were to them. He wants us to understand that these magic practitioners they they're taking something that's extremely value to them that they've that they've invested in they're saying this is nothing they see true power now right Th- these are people who they're trying to cast spells they they're working in you know the modern day we call them in the occult right mm-hmm. they're trying to figure out how can i have spiritual power but it's all demonic and they recognize that's nothing and so luke wants us to get this that while these these demon this demon possessed man turns against these exorcists and, and there's sort of power there it's nothing compared to the power god's demonstrating through paul and the sorcerers these people who practice the magic arts they get that and they repent and how they demonstrate that repentance is they burn their most valuable possessions because that life they're leaving it behind, and they don't want anybody else to get into it, so they destroy it so nobody else can get into it. Right. I, I want our listeners to think about this. Maybe maybe for you, you've come to the Lord, and there's things from your past that you need to burn up. There's things that you need to leave behind. One of the demonstrations of faith that we see in this chapter is that when you come to the Lord, those things that you used to hold dear that were so valuable, now you burn them up. You leave them aside, you set them aside, because you found treasure that's worth losing everything for. Right, and this parallels the young rich man who comes up to Jesus and asks, how can I be saved? Yeah. And he says, sell all your stuff. Not necessarily, like, it doesn't matter how much stuff you have, you just need to sell it. It's your riches are holding your heart right now, and that's what you need to get rid of. So same thing with these burning of books. So a riot ends up starting in Ephesus. Why does this riot start? Right. So Paul has a long—he continues ministering in Ephesus— and I mean, you see, you see all these guys burning their books. They're turning away from their idol worship. And what that means, um, there's a temple in Ephesus for, for Diana. And because these people are forsaking this, they're no longer worshiping this idol, which means they're not going to all of these silversmiths and buying their little trinkets, buying their little right. idols anymore. And that's a, that's a major trade in Ephesus. Mm-hmm. And so these people now... They don't have a way of making money. Mm-hmm. And when you take away somebody's ability to make money, they get angry. Right. And so they start a riot in the city to go after Paul because they've lost income. Right. And so this this is specifically why they're they're going after him. They're they recognize their trade um is is falling into disrepute. It says in Acts 19:27, they're they're they pretend like they're worried about their worship of Diana, but it's really that's really not the the issue there. The issue for them is they've lost income. Yeah. And so Paul's already been through this a little bit when he went to Cyprus, I think mm-hmm. it was, and he and that girl was following him around. Yeah, the exactly girl. the same thing. And he casts the demon out. People, they've lost their income because they were making it off of people paying them so she can predict their future. Yeah. So you think, I, I think Paul might have um, been in a in a training spot there. Like God was using that to prepare him for this much bigger, larger, grand scale of taking down this, of like in Ephesus, this whole big trade yeah. of people using this for income. Yeah. Wow. So... Had had Paul spoken evil of the religion of I'm sorry had Paul spoken evil of the religion of the Ephesians? So 
you know, the, these these silversmiths would have you believe that. They're, they're acting like, hey, he's attacking our worship. He's attacking our temple. But what's interesting is when the city clerk stands up, he actually says this in verse 37. He says, for you've brought these men here who are neither robbers of temples nor blasphemers of your goddess. So, so Paul, all he's doing is proclaiming the gospel. Right. He's not saying, and your religion is bad, your religion is evil, your religion is wrong. Sure. And he's not even telling the people, you need to abandon the temple. He's not attacking their culture. He's simply proclaiming the truth, and the people get it. Mm-hmm. The people are convicted. And what, what this, what's important about this for us today is to realize we can be respectful of other people's beliefs. We don't have to attack mm-hmm. their beliefs in order to proclaim the truth. And in this way... Paul was above reproach. Yeah. People could not there was not an accusation that could stick against him cuz no, I haven't I haven't preached against Diana. I have not gone against your temple of worship. I've simply proclaimed the truth and people on their own are burning their books, are leaving your trades, are coming to Christ and the Holy Spirit's convicting them they need to leave this behind. So Paul is above reproach right here. Yeah. And so eventually this this riot calms down and I think the city clerk was involved. How did he do that? So he was able to do that by telling them, hey guys, we're going to get in trouble. If the Romans come in and we're having a riot right here, we're all in trouble. You need to stop this. There's legal avenues that you can take. The reason people don't want to take a legal avenue is because Paul actually hasn't broken the law. Right. He's stayed above reproach in this area, and so they know there's nothing that they can do. But the city clerk warns them. He says, pursue legal avenues and it calms the riot. And so the, the people stop rioting, and, and Paul's able to continue to proclaim the gospel in Ephesus effectively. And we learn, we learn so much about gospel proclamation in Acts chapter 19, because we see how important it is to be bold, to reason. We also recognize that as the gospel goes out in power, people will be convicted. They'll mm-hmm. leave behind their old lifestyles, and we don't need to we don't need to speak against false religions. False religions will be seen for what they are mm. when we proclaim the truth. Right. It's amazing how God uses government too. Yeah. to really help out Paul. I mean in the, just the chapter before when the Jews bring him before the tribunal. Yeah. Uh they're he does Paul doesn't even get to open his mouth before the judge says, um, this is an inward, an in-house deal. Um, yeah. So you, I have nothing to do with this. Like, you guys need to take care of this yourselves. And Paul didn't even have to say anything. Like, yeah. That's just God using them that way. Yeah. So, yeah, amazing how God has been using Paul uh, in this story that we've been going through. That is Acts chapter 19. We will see you guys next week. Thank you for listening.